This is my instant reaction for The Batman. If you're looking for deep analysis of the latest Batman flick, you're not going to get it here because my brain was put into a state of cinematic narrative, um, emotional suspended animation for two hours and 55 minutes that flew by. I think in the olden days, they called that suspension of disbelief. <laughs> um, I want to speak honestly, but I don't want to, I don't want to speak in hyperbole. I don't want to be accused of being hyperbolic because here's the trend that I've noticed. A bunch of human beings have gone to the theater, seen this movie, have come out of the theater and gone, what an incredible film. And then a bunch of people who haven't seen the movie then say to them, it's not that good. <laughs> it can't be that good. Your experience is wrong. It can't be that good. And having seen it, I'm here to tell you, it's that good. I will go so far as to say that there are traces of this, that, whatever. But if you have kept up with Batman ephemera, comic books, uh, especially the uh, like um, Arkham Knight, Arkham City video games, but not exclusively those. I know like in movie criticism, that's not the first thing you want to go to. Is This reminds me of a video game because it has a bad connotation. But the Batman games, despite the fact that they've sort of reinvented open world action gameplay or limited open world sandbox action gameplay, uh, without which we wouldn't get, I think, one of the greatest video games of all time, which is Spider-Man, and its follow-up, Miles Morales. Um, you wouldn't get that without the, uh, the Arkham series. And those, those games are great, uh, and those, those are some of the greatest video games of all time. But part of what makes them so great is the storytelling is pretty incredible, especially for the time. Very, very cinematic. It makes you feel that you're not just you know, uh, playing a Batman video game, but that you are really, I think especially at that time, experiencing a Batman movie. I love Batman. The whole world loves Batman. I didn't need another Batman movie for a long time. Now, truth be told, it's been 10 years since the last true blue Batman movie. I know we had Ben Affleck, and he was Batman, and he shared the screen with Superman, and he was in Justice League, and he showed up in Suicide Squad and wherever else. But the truth is, the last Batman movie movie, unless I'm missing one, was The Dark Knight Rises. And by the time we got there, Christopher Nolan was doing his own thing. And I've talked about before that I don't really feel as good as The Dark Knight is. I don't feel like it's in any kind of continuity with Batman Begins. 
um, at all. Uh, I think that the the closest to a a definitive Batman story that we've ever been given so far is um, is Batman Begins. <clears throat> the Dark Knight immediately rises to the top of Batman interpretations because of Heath Ledger and the Joker. And so much of that stuff, especially in the central part of the movie, it's just all-time great filmmaking. It just is. Um, the opening heist, I get that's the beginning, but you know, the, the heart of that movie really, really works. And then, it, to me, it just goes right off, right off a cliff. As soon as the Joker stuff is done, and we get to Harvey Dent and Light of the Boy and the speech and he'll be our Dark Knight and all that, that's, that's actually a very bad movie. I mean, it is a uh, portent of things to come. With the Dark Knight Rises, which I think is terrible. <sighs> and I say that as a former recovering Nolan bro. Um, but really, the, to me, the definitive Batman stories have been told in the animated series and in video games. They, they've just got something right. And there's been some subsequent movies and, and animated films they've put out that have been mostly straight to, to VOD that have been uh, pretty good. Uh, some of those are really good. Um, some have Kevin Conroy, some do not. But there's just something about the world of Batman that has never fully been articulated in film. The 89 Batman, which in my lifetime was the biggest movie on the planet, <clears throat> was definitely got this sort of gothic horror element to Batman, this freak show element, this, this guy's unhinged element of Batman. He didn't really know what to do with Bruce Wayne, but it definitely got that. It definitely got Gotham right. Joker, kind of, kind of, more sinister than you think, uh, than your memory may allow, but kind of, but it's also Jack Nicholson, so kind of not. <clears throat> Great Alfred. Batman Returns, by this point, it's a Tim Burton film. The quality of the filmmaking, without question. Not a great Batman movie. I like Batman Returns. It's up there. I think it's like my, I recently ranked them on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com backslash binge movies, and, uh, or maybe just slash binge movies. And I, I, I had Batman Returns up there as, I don't know, fourth or fifth. It's up there, right? It's pretty high. I really like the movie. But it's not a good Batman movie. First of all, he's not Batman very much in it. And he, he, it's just, there's a lot of other stuff going on in that movie. And it's, I, I enjoy it because it's a movie that will never be made again and probably shouldn't have been made in the first place. <laughs> so it is its own thing. Saw it in theaters opening weekend. Um, not a great Batman movie. Batman Forever stinks. Batman Robin is just the shits. Drizzling shits. And Ben Affleck's Batman, he was a pretty good Batman, but he just they never gave him anything to do. There was nothing worthwhile. It wasn't Batman in a Batman world. It was this weird Snyder-verse. Uh, and if you like it, you like it. But it was just, it, just it, wasn't, it wasn't a fully formed, fully fleshed out Batman. There were hints and allusions to a death in the family or this, that, whatever. But it was never really locked in. This is Batman, year two, year three, technically. He's two years into his career. He's played by Robert Pattinson, 
going to avoid spoilers in the first half, and I don't really want to spoil it in the second half, but I'll definitely give you a line of demarcation. And we've had good Bruce Waynes, your George Clooney's, your Val Kilmer's even, and we've had good Batman's, your, uh, I, I would say maybe the best Bruce Wayne, although we didn't get a ton of him, was Christian Bale. Great Bruce Wayne. We needed more of that. Won't relitigate that one either. Go back and listen to a Batman episode to figure out what I have to say about that story. And then Michael Keaton was a really good, weird Batman. And had I think of the potential to be a good Bruce Wayne. He has moments as Bruce Wayne, but he's a really good weirdo Batman, right? But we've never really had, other than Kevin Conroy, and, and Adam West is just, that, that he's, that he's the OG, and I have a very soft spot for him, but he's, just, he's in his own category. They're doing their own thing over there. With the Dietrich Baders and whoever else of the world, right? A lot of people have been under that cow. But Kevin Conroy was a great Bruce Wayne and a great Batman. And he was sort of on like a Mount Olympus. He's Zeus. He was untouchable. But if there's a Mount Rushmore of Batman, that's what, only four p- spots? Well, you know, Kevin Conroy's got to be up there. And Adam West has probably got to be up there. And Michael Keaton's probably got to be up there. First, mo- like, big major motion picture. Huge, huge blockbuster. The fourth spot, I think, has to go to Robert Pattinson. I think he is, uh, first of all, he's an incredible actor. But, but, but second of all, um, there's never a moment that this guy's on screen as either Bruce or Batman. This is a Batman-heavy movie. He's very rarely out of the mask. And even when he is, he's still Batman. Um, it's, I was never saw, I, I, you know, I, I never saw Robert Pattinson. I saw young Bruce Wayne, and I definitely saw Batman. And I think he's got a very good Batman voice. He's, still, he's doing the same thing that, Keaton did and that Conroy did where he goes a little bit deeper and even Bale, right? Mom vengeance. Like he does it. He, he does a little bit like he doesn't go the full like, Where you keeper? Swear to me. Doesn't do that, but he does, you know, do you know who I am? Kind of a thing. Do you know who I am? You know, uh, Peter Weller's Batman. That's how he would do it. <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Uh, is, is, he's really good. We've had Selena Kyle's. Michelle Pfeiffer, it was sexual awakening in pleather to a young, prepubescent Jason. That's binge movies after dark. Instant reaction after dark. Um, and Anne Hathaway did a great job. Uh, not a big fan of her, especially at that time. Come around on her. But she did a pretty good job. And a not-so-great movie. But Zoe Kravitz, I think... <laughs> if there's a Mount Rushmore, she might be on it. If we write another movie, and she gets even more to do, and she gets quite a bit to do in this movie, she gets even more to do, 
she, she might go down as the goat. She might, you know, she's up there with the Julie Newmars of the world and, and, uh, and, and others, etc. Um, she's up there. Commissioner Gordon, we've had great Commissioner Gordons. He's Jeffrey Wright. First of all, he's Jeffrey Wright. Just doing his own thing, man, and it, it, it works. It really works. Paul Dano as the Riddler, hands down, the best version of this character you've ever seen. There are some others. Uh, uh, Con Farrell as the Penguin, hands down. All respect to my man Burgess Meredith. All respect to him. This guy is the very best penguin. Um, let's go. Let's let's go out beyond Batman. One of the all-time best Gotham's too. But let's go. Let's go beyond the scope of Batman. For me, I have this experience when I'm watching a good movie. I I feel it in my gut. It's a literal sensory feeling. And I feel like somebody has reached into my spirit, my gut, and they put a hook there. And it has drawn my attention and my creative juices and my imagination and my spirit. And I feel all of my concentration and energy sucked in past the screen into the world that inhabits that screen. It is like spirit possession. I feel as if I am possessed by the movie. I can smell it. I can feel it. I carry it with me. When I leave the theater, it alters my mood. It alters my voice. I, I carry it inside of myself because there's something about the frequency of that that imagination that's on the screen and my imagination inside of myself that resonates deeply. And sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's happened so imperceptibly that I don't sense it until I've left the theater. And sometimes it's not until midway through the movie that I realize I am enraptured because I'm just so engrossed Then it occurs to me that I've lost track of time and I've lost sense of self. And I'm feeling emotions that are outside of my body. They're not built on real stimuli of things I'm experiencing. They're built on the stimuli that's inside of a dream, inside of a trance, inside of a vision, inside of an imagination. I am having an ecstatic experience in the truest sense. And sometimes it's like the whirling dervishes. And sometimes it's like the oracles of Delphi. And sometimes it's like uh, uh, the, the, the prophets of the Old Testament where it comes down upon you and you cannot help. It's like a fire shut up in your bones. And who am I but to speak? That's when you know. This is not just an entertainment. This is not just a fleeting fancy. This is not just some good chocolate and some good candy and some good, uh, a good thrill for the moment. And I'm excited for this scene. What a great scene that was. And what a great car chase that was. And what a great bit of dialogue. Oh, there's so many great bits of dialogue in the movie. 
when that happens, you're enjoying a movie, but you're outside of it. You're, you're, you're looking at it and you're, you're observing it from a distance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the full communion of film, the fellowship of film, spirit-to-spirit contact with the filmmaker and with the world that he and his team or her and her team have created, that the writers have created, that you are experiencing what it's like to be inside the heart and the mind of another soul. That's this movie. That is a damn rare experience for me. I watch hundreds of movies a year, and I have done that my entire life. With or without a podcast, I was raised doing that. And they come and they go. And you have fun and you laugh and you cry or you're bored or whatever your experience is. And then it's over. And every once in a while, you realize that you are in, when you're at the theater, and this is what the theater is really great at. And this is what I think AMC was trying to get at with their Nicole Kidman tone-deaf ad pitch. I think this was the heart of what they were trying to get at, but it, it, it feels real dirty. It feels real cynical when it's coming in an ad campaign from a multi-millionaire actress who's being paid tens of millions of dollars to read somebody else's words. It's like talking about something holy and sacred. When you have a spiritual experience, a spiritual encounter, Spiritual maturity says you don't talk about it all that much. And when if you've had a real encounter, you don't have to say anything. People around you can feel it. You're changed. You're not just emotional. You didn't just have a stimulation of some kind. Those are uh, the Catholic mystics used to call uh, consolations. It's not true mystical union. Some of you are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Great filmmaking. Great filmmaking is pure mystical union. You disappear into the movie. And I think some of us are movie mystics. I think some of us are just more naturally inclined to experiencing that. And so you may experience that on a wider range of movies. So you may be like, I experience it all the time. Air Force One gets me there, buddy. And to you, I would say, that's wonderful. Um, I think in childhood, I was more like that. I was just transported almost by anything that I saw. Um, but now in my older years of not being a child, it's a dragon I'm constantly chasing. That pure cinematic experience. And when it comes in the package of a familiar IP, that's extra wonderful. Because here's a movie that is, here's a film from a filmmaker who is concerned about making an actual film And here's a director in Matt Reeves who has gone from strength to strength in his ability and in his craftsmanship and in his screenwriting. 
from the days of Cloverfield through the reboot of at least the, the latter two apes films to, I mean, that, that's, that was the proving ground. This guy showed up and was like, I'm going to show up number two in the series. First one's okay. Pretty good. Even, but I'm going to show, and I'm going to take this in a completely, it's going to be in absolute continuity with the film that came before it, but we're going to do something radically. We're, we're going to add depth and meaning and pathos to this thing. And you feel it. And you walk away and you, that you feel that movie on you. The sadness, the dread. And he, he gets that out of you, out of a all-time great performance from Andy Serkis, who also appears in this film as Alfred, off of a CGI motion-captured chimpanzee. It's insane. But he is up the ante from his filmmaking from those first two films. Uh, in, the, in his first ape films, the, the latter two, rather, the second and third in the, in the trilogy. This is a, his filmmaking is on a different level. His direction is on a different level. There are whole segments of this movie, 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time that you could just pluck out. And if you just took that 45 minutes and slapped an okay 45 <laughs> minutes on it, You'd have a great hour and a half Batman movie. Maybe one of the greatest of all time. This guy gives you two hours and 55 minutes. You could have cut this movie three different ways and gotten three different great Batman movies. And he gives you all three in one movie. There's some performances in here that I would give it away if I talked about it. That I think it's some of the best performances of this particular actor's career. That this is some of their best work in decades the score yes to me in the trailers it sounded very much like the imperial march at least a few notes of it in the movie it doesn't have that reminiscence to it at all i don't know if i think it was just the i think that they chopped it up for the to make a little bit more action oriented it's just this it plays completely different in the actual film, it, it brought no recollection of the Empire Strikes Back or the Imperial March or Return of the Jedi or any form of Star Wars whatsoever. It, it brought none of that uh, to, to mind to me at all. Um, there's there's some other there's some of the the Selena Scott uh, Selena Kyle theme that's in this. There is a little reminiscence of Danny Elfman in there. There's a little little reminiscence of the Batman Returns in there, but just a little bit. And there's a little bit of a lot of different Batman that you've seen in here, I, which is, I, there's a little bit, and this is going to sound crazy, but there's a scene towards the end that's a little shoe mockery. Some of the shots, it's like, ooh, that's a little shoe mockery. So that's all the good. All the good is, this is, arguably, this is the definitive Batman movie, in my, in my estimation. I'd go so far as to say, at nearly 30 minutes, and I haven't even gotten the spoilers yet, that this is the greatest Batman film I've ever seen. Robert Pattinson is, if not the, he is certainly one of the greatest Batman. Uh, I think that he's better than Christian Bale, who I really liked in the role. Um, I think this cast is superb. I think Andy Serkis, my God, whew, great stuff from him. Um, this is truly a great film. Um, if I have some nitpicks, it's like there's one nitpick. 
There's four times in the movie, maybe three, <coughs> where the CGI, where it goes from practical to digital, and it looks like shit. There's a Selena Kyle fight sequence. Looks like shit. Just for like a split second. That's jarring. There is a fall that Batman takes that looks like shit. And then there's uh, another one towards the end. And you'll, you'll know what it is when you see it. I would get into it, but spoilers. And it, just, it just doesn't look very good. Maybe four. Because there's, there's two that are really close to each other in the back end of the film. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so. I think I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it there. I think I don't think I'm going to cover any spoilers whatsoever because I just want to sit with this one for a, a minute. I wanted to I want to hold on to it a little bit longer and think about it and ruminate, meditate on it. And uh, so that's t- nearly 30 minutes spoiler free. I hope I didn't go too philosophical for you all. I, but I, if you've seen the movie, I hope that in some way uh, I have adequately conveyed what I think about this film. I hope that I didn't hype it up too much either. Um, it's just... just <laughs> it's, it's just a... I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, you can kind of hear my voice that I enjoyed the movie, but I'm not going, yeah, yeah, right? That's not my experience. It's a very different sort of experience, and it's an awesome one. And the the middle hour, I guess, of this movie, uh, in particular, the car chase, and the way that starts, there's a few times that happens in the movie where I'm like, damn, this is... If you've ever read, like, again, if you've read Batman in the last 30, 35 years at all, ever, if you've played <coughs> any of those games, it is such a perfect adaptation while wholly being its own thing. It's so, it's just, what a, it, 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 everything, <clears throat> everything that the other Batman movies are like, that's a good, even a great Batman movie, but it's missing something. It's missing this. Right? That's a really good Batman, but that movie was missing this thing. And that, that's a great filmmaker, but they just didn't quite understand this about Batman. I think Reeves gets it all. Him and his uh, co-screenwriter, who I forget at the, uh, at the second, but I think him and his team, I think they get it. I think they get Batman. I think that they just get, this is something that is, they're adequately adapting and representing aspects of the character and the world and the story and the writing and the tone and the noir and the gothic and the horror and the monstrous and the heroic that is, that we've never seen quite adequately conveyed. You know, it's like somebody trying to articulate the ineffable and, and you go, oh, that, ooh, ooh, that's close, but that's not it. You know, have you ever forgotten a word? And you're like, what's that word? And somebody goes, it kind of means this. And somebody goes, this word? And you go, ooh, ooh, no, no, that's not it. And somebody else goes, what about this? And you're like, no, that's not it at all. 
And somebody goes, well, what about this one? You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wait, that's close, but it's not it. It's right at the tip of my tongue. It's right there, right at the tip of my tongue. And then somebody just goes, this? And you go, that's it. Oh, that's it. This is that movie. But it's not that level of intensity. It's just within the first five minutes of this film, you go, that's it. Got it. That is it. You know, it's, it, it, it's ah, that's it. <clears throat> this guy gets it. So, love the movie. If I ever give it a score out of 10, that's tough. Um, let, me, let me mix it up. Let me do the letterbox version of this. Uh, for whatever reason, letterbox feels more frivolous to me than the 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 is like, that's show. That's canon. That's binge movie stuff. <clears throat> but letterbox, that's just my personal use, basically, for the show count. Um, five out of five. <laughs> yeah, five out of five. Maybe in time it becomes a four and a half, but five out of five. Five out of five, Jasons. <laughs> I'm letterboxed. Yeah, I dug it. Tell me what you thought. If you wanted this instant reaction even more instantaneously, you need to become a patron on Patreon. You can become a video club member. <coughs> Hopefully I don't choke to die. Choke to death. Choke to die. Choke to death. You can become a video club member. You can become a clerk, or you can become an assistant manager. There's different benefits for all of those tiers, ranging from a very low monthly amount to a more generous monthly amount, I like to say. But with an increase of giving comes an increase of benefits. And we've got some great stuff coming up that I've just got in the can. And some Patreon-exclusive content that's going to be really exciting. Some interviews and a brand new show in the Binge Movies universe. It's going to be exclusively available on Patreon. And you get all kind of great benefits, behind-the-scenes stuff, and we're always trying to cook up something new. Uh, we're just getting rocking and rolling on that, and we're, we've got a great community forming there. So I want to thank all of our existing patrons. If you want to find our elite patrons' name, just look in the show notes, because thanks to people like them who give on a monthly basis, many of whom are podcasters themselves, we're able to bring you unique and creative movie content just like this. And this was certainly unique. Um, so yeah, it, it just, just tell me what you thought. I want to know, no spoilers, go to at binge movies on Twitter and tell me what you thought. Am I crazy? The answer is yes, but am I crazy about this movie? Am I wrong about this movie? Without spoilers, tell me what you think, or just tell me I'm right or find me on Letterboxd. This review will be on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. Tell me what you thought. Well, I'm over my limit, and I'm about to die from some kind of asthmatic attack. It's time for me to go. So until next time, binge on. Binge on.